Are you an accredited investor looking for a new opportunity to generate passive income and build the retirement of your dreams? Then elevate your investment game with Viking Capital, where wealth meets wisdom. Whether you're a seasoned investor or just starting out, Viking Capital can help guide you towards financial freedom through passive real estate investing. With strong and transparent underwriting, Viking identifies low-risk opportunities with the goal of preserving investor capital and maximizing long-term growth potential. And their accessible and responsive investor relations team will help you understand how each investment will impact your unique financial goals. With $800 million in assets acquired, more than $230 million in equity raised, and more than 5,000 units under management, Viking Capital is your path to early retirement. To learn about Viking Capital's latest investment opportunity, which is available for you right now, visit go.vikingcapllc.com forward slash best. That's go.vikingcapllc.com forward slash best to get started today. Did you know that within a decade, women will hold $30 trillion in investable assets? Yet somehow, only 19% of women reported feeling confident in selecting investments that align with their long-term goals. Our friends at InvestHer are out to change that. InvestHerCon is the number one premier conference for women in real estate, and it's happening June 2nd through the 4th in Austin, Texas. InvestHerCon is not just another real estate conference. It's a transformational experience focused on real estate investing, business strategies, and self-care tactics all designed to help women take control of their financial futures. Gain the knowledge and skills you need to grow your portfolio and build a sustainable business, all while connecting with over 500 women who are playing at the same level. To learn more and to get your tickets, visit InvestHerCon.com today and use the code 100BESTEVER to get $100 off your ticket. That's InvestHer, H-E-R, Con.com, Promo code 100BESTEVER to get $100 off your ticket. Quick disclaimer, the views and opinions expressed in this podcast are provided for informational purposes only and should not be construed as an offer to buy or sell any securities or to make or consider any investment or course of action. For more information, go to bestevershow.com. Stay focused on your path and success leaves clues. Learn from people who have accomplished the same thing before and copy from them. Welcome to the Best Ever Show, the world's longest running daily commercial real estate podcast. Our hosts interview commercial real estate experts every day to get you the best advice ever with none of the fluffy stuff. Best ever listeners, welcome to the Best Real Estate Investing Advice Ever Show. I'm Slocum Reed and I'm here with Sandhya Sashadri. Sandhya is based in Dallas, Texas. She is an apartment syndicator at engineeredcapital.com, which acquires and operates value-add multifamily in the Dallas-Fort Worth area, where they currently operate 1,400 doors. Sandia, can you tell us a little bit more about your background and what you're currently focused on? Sure. Thank you for having me on this show, Slocum. I really appreciate it. I have an engineering background like most Asian geeks and got my degree, got my job, and realized very quickly all the business folks were making decisions. So I got myself a part-time MBA, got into the stock market. And while that was lucrative, it did not give me any kind of tax advantages. So I found my way into real estate, realized very quickly in assessing single family rentals that I was not a handy person. And I didn't really want to be tied to the tenants, toilets, trash and termites, the floor tees of a landlord. So when I heard about multifamily being a way to acquire 
properties, large properties of over 100 doors, and having a property management company do all of that for you while you are a high-level asset manager, it made complete sense. And Dallas, where I live, was an excellent market for it. So I dived right in, started out passively, and then now I'm doing more of a general partnership role. Gotcha. So when did you first get into apartment syndication? About four years ago, in the end of 2018, I made my first passive investment. And then in 2019, I got my first syndication as a general partner, tagging along with two other experienced partners as part of a larger mentoring program. Nice. Which mentoring program is that? Are you still involved in it? Yes, I'm very much still active in it. It's by Brad Sumrock. He's my mentor, and he does a lot of deals in the Dallas area. And that's where I found a lot of potential partners with whom I've done several sets of partners. I've done seven different deals so far. Nice. Seven deals. Mm -hmm. In your general partnerships, Sandio, what do you typically focus on? Initially, I started out as boots on the ground asset management, and I partnered with two guys who were out of state. So when COVID struck and they couldn't travel as much, I learned a lot of the business by going in person to all these properties and doing that. And since then, I've also gotten better at raising capital, underwriting, and asset management. So I fulfill all of the roles now, depending on what's needed with each deal. Gotcha. How much involvement do you have with acquisitions? Definitely. I live in a neighborhood with four brokers in my same area. So I'm very much involved in acquisitions. Most of the major brokers in Dallas who do class B and C know my name. So I'm definitely involved in that stage. Also, I do the tours, the comp analysis, underwriting, all of that. And if one of my partners does it, I double check that as well. So in both ways. But I have several different steps that I've figured out now based on my asset management experience as to how you can still make good returns for investors in this kind of an economy. So if you like, we can dive a little bit into that as we think about underwriting and asset management. We can head in that direction. First, let me ask, when you say this kind of economy, we are recording at the very beginning of January 2023. We have a fairly sophisticated listener base, Sandhya. So I believe everyone hearing this right now has an idea of what you mean, but can you elaborate? Sure. I'm talking about how we've had the rising interest rates come to us at a very steep rise in a very short amount of time. We're also in a time of inflation and the economy definitely seems to be slowing down in a lot of ways. So stock market has crashed quite a bit in value over the past 12 months. So that means investors are feeling the pinch of their net worth, et cetera, reducing from it. So there's a lot of different things at play right now in terms of raising capital, as well as your interest rates being favorable for acquisitions. And there's a gap between the price at which a buyer wants to buy the property versus what the seller is willing to sell it at. So that gap is closing a little bit, and it's becoming more of a buyer's market than a seller's market, like it used to be in the glory days of 2021, as an example. Sandia, I have an interesting perspective here. I'm an apartment owner operator in Cincinnati, Ohio. I do not at present syndicate. However, earlier today, I was interviewing another value-add apartment investor who invests in Dallas-Fort Worth and has a similar size portfolio and targets a similar size property as you. So I was just having a, a version of this conversation earlier today. I'd like to hear you said the brokers know your name. You are involved in acquisitions. You said it's 
becoming a buyer's market. We can, I want to get into your steps for returns here soon, but tell me what it is that you're seeing from the offerings made available by brokers right now, beginning of 2023. I don't have to put hard money down on day one, like it used to be. I could ask a little bit of early access, even a few days of due diligence before I have to do that. That's a big piece of it in terms of acquisitions. Loan assumptions are getting more attractive because the interest rates are so high. Bridge is completely priced out of market. And when it's a Fannie or a Freddie loan, the interest rate is still pretty high. So you want to have that convenience of a nice exit. That's becoming difficult. But in making offers, people are still wanting to go back to their three and four cap kind of days. And I'm seeing more of a five, five and a half gap or higher, depending on the class of property, the vintage, then the location in Dallas. In the last quarter, how many deals would you say that you and your team have reviewed in Dallas-Fort Worth? I would say that in-depth underwriting may be about six or seven deals. But as far as reviewing them at a high level, which is more of a back of the napkin calculation, okay, sure. if this is located in Plano versus Irving versus South Dallas, right? So some zip codes are just a no-no, probably 50 deals that come across our desk as far as maybe this is a little bit distressed. This operator is on a bridge loan. They're looking to sell it, but the price doesn't come down significantly enough to where we can still make a play. And a big part of that is your rent bump assumptions, So it depends on how much below the market rent the subject property's rents are across the different unit types and the popularity of certain unit types. Sandy, let me ask a question to direct where I think you're already headed. Mm -hmm. As one does, you've put 50 deals on the back of a napkin, but put six or seven in your spreadsheet. Thinking about the last 90 days or so and the deals you have analyzed, How has the number of offers you've written, the number of times you've been countered and the number of contracts that you've gotten compare to earlier in 2022? And assuming there is a change, what do you feel like accounts for that change? The biggest change I'm seeing is the gap between what a buyer wants to pay for it and can afford to pay for it based on the financing available today versus the seller's expectation of still trying to get closer to their beginning of 2022 kind of pricing. In terms of number of deals and just deal flow, you would get at least 20, 25 deals on a regular basis back in the day. And now it's more like here and there, a seller is thinking of selling this deal. Do you want to take a look kind of mentality rather than here's our marketing and we've got seven deals this week from every brokerage back and forth. So in terms of that, the deal flow, I would say is maybe a quarter to a third of what I used to see in the past, maybe even less than that. A quarter to a third as many deals on offer. And based on your experience the last few years, has the frequency with which you offer on those deals or the frequency with which you get accepted changed? The frequency with which I make offers has definitely changed. I don't do a huge number of offers. I only offer on one deal at a time. But as far as acceptance goes, once you know the whisper from the broker and the expectations, you kind of know already if you have a shot at it. So that's something I've known right off the bat. If I don't come close to whisper, it's not even worth it. And I kind of tell the broker, this is what I'm willing to pay. So maybe in a month's time, the seller might be more willing to come back to that price. So let's go there. So not as many, a much smaller percentage, I would say. Would you say that anything else about the sales process has been markedly different the last few months? Yes. What else? 
it's a lot more off market based rather than directly on market. There's not as many listings and emails and et cetera and tours and call for offers. A lot of it is more of softly off marketed to a select group of buyers, which I think is more like hundred buyers, not like 10 buyers, but it's more in an off market sort of way. It's like if we get an offer that the seller is willing to accept and that's it rather than, okay, January 15th is your call for offers date. We'll take all offers up until that date and go back kind of way of doing it. But the other big one is the hard money day one. That's not happening anymore. Gotcha. Being able to do some due diligence before your earnest deposit goes hard. That's, mm-hmm. that's a big deal for those yeah. who are buyers. Yeah. We'll get back to the show with the first some sponsors I'm confident you'll find value in learning more about. Are you a real estate investor looking to break into the multifamily investing space? Have you heard of MFIN Con happening in Charlotte, North Carolina, June 12th through the 14th? The Multifamily Investor Nation Convention is a place to learn from over 60 high-level apartment investors while networking with more than 700 additional investors. If that's not enough for you, A-Rod, yep, Alex Rodriguez, 12-time Major League Baseball All-Star with over $700 million of commercial real estate assets, will be live and in person speaking at the event. Also speaking is the one and only Dr. Robert Cialdini, the godfather of influence and the award-winning author. I personally love his books. So be sure to secure your tickets to this live in-person event before they're gone. Go to MFINCON.com for more details. Sponsorship opportunities are also available. Visit MFINCON.com today. Use the promo code BESTEVER to get $200 off your tickets. That's MFINCON.com. Sandia, I know you have some information prepared for us. I believe you were calling it the seven steps to achieving stellar investor returns in a subpar economy. We've spent some time talking about that economy and what acquisitions look like right now. What are your steps? So I focus a little bit on the acquisition side as well as the asset management side. But the first one is that the rents of your subject property have to be far below market. For example, we acquired a property earlier this year direct from the original owner's son. So he had owned it for over three decades. So the rents were two to $300 below market rent. So that's an example of a great acquisition where you can raise rents pretty easily and organically compared to the market rents. The other one is the market fundamentals itself. As you know, I love Dallas-Fort Worth, but you've got to have your job diversity. You've got to have new businesses relocating to the local area. As an example, the Four Seasons in Irving is revamping to become a Ritz-Carlton, and it's like a $65 million project. And we have got a couple of deals within a two-mile radius of that location. So again, you want to pick a place where there's so much economic growth happening. And then every number in your spreadsheet has to be justified by somebody else. Because you're going to have your own bias as an operator who wants to make the deal work. So every number there has to be verified by a property management company who agrees that, yeah, you can get a $100 rent bump by doing this kind of upgrade. Or, yes, this is your insurance cost, and it's a reasonable assumption. You have to have an actual quote. Your taxes, especially in Texas, make a huge difference. So your tax protest company has to tell you, in that county, this is what's reasonable. So every number that you put into a spreadsheet has to be justified by a neutral third-party person so you don't make those kind of mistakes. Lending and financing, you know, this environment has changed so much drastically in the recent months. So make sure you go with something that your investors are comfortable with. My investors, if I have a floating rate bridge loan, they're not going to invest in my deal. So the last two deals I did were Freddie fixed rate loans, but with step down prepay so that I know what my exit fee is going to be. But you want to make sure you have an official term sheet from a dust lender if it's agency, for example. So that's going to justify your 
financing terms, which could change. So something like a Freddie allows you to lock that in pretty early in life. So that's a really good way to mitigate that risk if you have a rising interest rate environment. But then the asset management is a huge piece, and there's so much excitement around acquisitions that people forget the asset management side of things. So the older the vintage of your property, you want to be very cash-rich and capital-rich. You want to have a lot of reserves in your account, and you want to definitely make sure that every little thing that you implement in the property, you don't want to be going to do a $10,000 unit upgrade if it's only going to give you a $50 to $75 rent bump. Maybe you could just do some basic make ready for two to $3,000 and get a $25 rent bump. Because in this environment, I think putting a large amount of CapEx into a unit upgrade may not necessarily give you the return. So really look closely at every CapEx, every spending you do to see if it's going to give you a reasonable ROI. Definitely want to track your marketing dollars. Make sure they're spent in the right places if your occupancy is a challenge. So, for example, if you have a really low occupancy issue and your last three leads, you want to see where that came from. And you also want to make sure the median household income there can support the market rents that you are charging. For example, if your visitors, all of them don't qualify, if all the new leads are not qualifying, where do you go find the qualified leads of tenants? If your highest rent is 1500 for example, times 12 is 18000 So 18000 times at least a 3x, you want to get close to that 55k plus or 60k plus so that getting a qualified tenants to visit your property and then become your future tenants so you don't run into a delinquency problem and you want to have a plan in place to address delinquency so i would say those are my biggest suggestions to make sure you make money in your properties. Of course, you should always have a pulse on your competition. So at least on a quarterly basis between you and your property management company, you should be shopping the comps. So similar comparative properties of the same vintage, similar amenities on the same side of the highway, the same street within a one mile radius, what do they offer? So if you were a resident shopping to see where you want to live, why would you pick the subject property over one of the competitors? So I think if you do all of these steps in a careful manner and you do all this wishful thinking of your numbers, but actually plug in numbers from neutral third parties, you're setting yourself up to succeed and provide investors with a great return. Sonia, that's a great list. I'd like to pick out a couple of the things that you mentioned to ask more about them. Again, sophisticated listener base, a lot of our people are already involved in apartment syndication, Mm -hmm. more so passively than actively. I know a lot of these things you're saying already resonate with our best ever listeners. So there are a couple of things I wanted to ask about here more particularly that are operational. Well, part Mm -hmm. of it is due diligence. The first one, I have to present this the way that I took the notes while you were speaking. What I wrote down, Sandhya, is that every number in the business plan must be verified by a third party, Mm -hmm. ideally your property management company. Of course, that makes sense. For you, what has that looked like in practice? Can you give us some examples? Before I make an offer, I ask the property management company for a budget. And I take those budget numbers for expenses, other income sources, et cetera, to put it into my analyzer spreadsheet. And if there's a huge difference in some of those numbers, we have to go back and have that conversation. 
Because if we forget to discuss that, like if I think, oh, other income, I'm going to get $50 for a parking spot. And the company's like, nah, we operate a property down the street. Your property has plenty of parking. No one's going to pay 50 bucks for that reserved parking. Well, you can't assume that. So you've got to have somebody with a neutral perspective giving you feedback on those numbers because ultimately they're going to take over and run this property for you. So if they can't meet your business plan numbers or they don't think, oh, just because you did an exterior paint, you can't just go in and charge $200 more. Your interiors also have to be nice. You have to do a better job of service. And these one bedrooms are already close to market rent. So no, that rent bump cannot be justified just because you're going to spend 200 k on exterior paint. Just things like that. So you want to make sure your business plan is accepted by the company that's actually going to implement it and run it for you when they take over. A couple of follow-ups here. The first is with the portfolio that you already have and the property management relationships that you already have, I imagine it's much easier to have those conversations with the property manager about a property you are considering writing an offer on but don't have under contract yet because you have a track record with those property managers. Do you have any recommendations as to how a newer syndicator or a syndicator who is new to the area and needs a new property management relationship? Do you have any advice on how those investors can engage with a property management company to get that level of in-depth analysis before they get a property under contract? Yes, the easiest way is if you're a passive investor in a deal in that market, then you just look at those financials and you get that operator to do the intro for you. That's the easiest way. If not, find another operator. Like if you needed help in Dallas, I'm available. But similarly, find somebody who's already doing that in that market because they are probably the ones you go to to recommend the company anyway. So who do you want to use as a property management company in Irving or Carrollton? If you ask me, I would give you the name of my company and an intro. And then you would have a pretty good idea from that intro and the other information I can give you to say, this is what is reasonable for taxes or insurance or contract services, et cetera, based on the vintage of the property and your business plan. So if you don't have the contacts, the connections, or the working relationships already, reach into your network to find those people so that you exactly. know your numbers are realistic. Yep. One more thing here. I'm imagining the relationship dynamic that the vast majority of active real estate investors have experienced where they reach out to a contractor to get a bid on a property they don't own, that they don't even have under contract yet. And the contractor says, in nicer words, you're not worth my time until you have it under contract or own it, call me back later. How often are you or your property managers dealing with that? And I'm thinking more about the in-depth stuff like mechanical work or more significant apartment turns, things where there's some nitty gritty to get into before you figure out exactly what the cost is going to be. How is it that you advise our listeners have those conversations with contractors or property managers? When you do your due diligence walkthrough, bring every trade with you. In my case in Dallas, I use Omni Assessments, who's a company that offers this due diligence service, and they just bring in every possible trade. If it's an old property with a chiller, they bring somebody. They bring somebody for the HVAC system, plumbing, parking lots, everything else. Because in your drive-by, as well as the tour with the broker, you already have a pretty good idea of what CapEx you'll probably have to do. So you want to make sure you pull a contractor for every one of those trades to come with you on your due diligence day and give you an estimate. And you tell them exactly what you want it to look like. So, for example, for interiors, this is what I'm looking to do. 
parking lots, probably the lender or the city is going to make me fix that. So give me an estimate for that. Do you already figure all those things out so that on that due diligence day, you're there with an army literally to figure that out? Tell me about the company that you use who sets this up for you. Omni Assessments by Brian Amos. He does due diligence services in the Dallas area, and he brings every trade, and we get estimates on everything. So we know upfront what our CapEx really is going to cost us, and he brings perhaps, shall we say, some of the best of the best. So if I have to do foundation repair or anything else, I have a really good estimate. And most of the times, the estimates later that I get are going to be within that amount. So it's more of a higher end of numbers. What you're describing sounds comprehensive and expensive. How much are you paying for the services of this company when you get a property under contract? So I pay anywhere from five to $8,000, depending on the size of your property. And it's a very small price to pay to have this kind of accuracy. I already have a list of vendors and they give me written estimates for everything from electrical work to foundation to everything else. So when I go into my webinar to present this to investors, I have a pretty accurate number for those costs, and I rarely exceed my CapEx projections. But this is, again, for like a 200-unit property, to give you perspective. When you think about how much you pay the lender up front and every other cost you're paying in your closing costs, a few thousand dollars, I get literally a matrix that tells me that unit C22 has old floors and it has black on black appliances that I might want to go do stainless steel. So I already know my interior upgrade plan based on my renewals coming up. So I can have everything pre-ordered so I reduce my turn time. That's a pittance to pay for the convenience of having that data by, again, professionals in the business. And as someone who doesn't have a strong handy person kind of background, I would rather have a list of contractors by a reputable company. And Brian Amos is also within the Sumrock group. So, of course, there's the trust factor and also an accountability factor. That's why a large number of us use him in the Dallas area. Yeah. And for a 200-unit property, the cost you're talking about is $40 per door or less, which makes a lot of sense, all things considered. One more thing I wanted to ask about. You talked about making sure that you fine-tune your marketing, meaning the marketing of your properties and your apartments for lease. Can you give us some best practices, ideas there, what you all do that's been working, especially what's been working recently? Resident referrals are the best for us because if residents bring more people in, they all stay, we build a community and our retention is also better. So we offer 50 bucks for that instead of paying tens of thousands of dollars for various websites and marketing. So word of mouth has helped us a lot. The other one is just being able to post flyers, et cetera, at local businesses from whom we want the employers, whichever ones which will let us do that. And then incentivizing our property management staff itself is that if they are qualified tenant and we don't end up in a delinquency later, then they get an added bonus later, six months into that lease, rather than right at the beginning for signing that lease. Because then that makes them sure that they truly do a good job of screening the tenant and don't just bring somebody in for the sake of making that small bonus. Yeah, the world would be a different place if we didn't pay lease up fees until you were six months into a lease, for sure. Do you have any advice on how best to test the market to figure out where market rent is? Nothing beats secret shopping. So you first want to at least get a set of calls out to all of the local properties within a one-mile radius that are the same vintage, et cetera, that are a true comp. 
But then I do drive-bys and I also visit myself. And I say, my daughter wants to move here. Or I say, I'm looking at properties nearby to acquire. So I do a personal visit if I'm going to make an offer. But everything else, your co-star data and your secret shopping and phone calls to find their specials, et cetera, will give you a feel for uh, the market rents. This has been very insightful, Sandhya. Thank you. Are you ready for the best ever lightning round? Sure. What is the best ever book you recently read? Atomic Habits, James Clear. What is your best ever way to give back? Resident activities. And we raise funds for residents who, for example, lost a loved one, etc. And some tragedy happens. Then we wrangle and we try to get them free rent. And we do a fundraiser to support them with things like whatever they need. Like a guy lost his wife to a delivery. So he still had a baby. So we did baby stuff for him. Hmm. Thus far, Sanjay, in your commercial real estate investing career, What is the biggest mistake you've made and the best ever lesson that resulted from it? When I was a newbie, I didn't thoroughly vet operators and I just went with a glam that I saw on social media. And now I've learned better to ask for their track record by getting references from existing passive investors. So basically the same thing you would do before hiring a contractor. You want referrals from people who've used that contractor recently for the same job. Same concept. References from existing passive investors before I invest with somebody passively. On that note, what is your best ever advice? The best ever advice in life is about persistence. Never give up. No matter what one path may have worked for somebody else, you may have to blaze your own trail to get to your destination. So don't get disappointed if a certain strategy doesn't work. Stay focused on your path and success leaves clues. Learn from people who have accomplished the same thing before and copy from them. Where can people get in touch with you? My website or LinkedIn. My website is engineer-capital.com and they can find me on social media platforms such as LinkedIn and Facebook. Those links are available in the show notes. Sandhya, thank you. Best ever listeners, thank you as well for tuning in. If you've gained value from this episode, please do subscribe to our show. Leave us a five-star review and share this episode with a friend you know we can add value to through our conversation today. Thank you and have a best ever day. Thank you so much, Logan. Hi, best ever listeners. Joe Fairless here again. And one last thing before you go, would you like to receive a short weekly email with proven tips from experienced investors, free tools and resources, and a roundup of the week's most relevant news and best ever content? Well, if so, join the community of nearly 15,000 commercial real estate passive and active investors who receive the best ever newsletter. Just go to bestevercre.com forward slash access and you'll get the very next one. I hope you enjoyed this episode. And as always, thank you for listening and have a best ever day.